faster than a speeding bullet. Unnamed Podcast, Episode 3, unless we do something and move it around and it ends up being 4, but I doubt that. But this is Episode 3, this time it's a comic book club, we're not going to talk about animated series episodes, we're going to talk about a comic book, Uh, it's Superman Earth 1, Volumes 1 and 2, with me as always is Mr. Chris Mitchell. (laughs) Hi everyone. And Jason Thompson. Hello. And a very special guest who's never been on the Superman, <laughs> the Super Unnamed Superman podcast, but it was his fucking idea, kind of, Mr. Mike Ortiz. Hi, it's, it's really great to be here. Yeah. Long time Dude. listener. Did you actually listen to either of those? Yes, I, I, well, I only listened to one. I guess by, uh, because I literally just well, Only one, one has been posted. Yeah, well, no, there's two right now. As we speak, I'll listen to a while we're recording. We are five minutes into that other one existing. <laughs> yeah, Damon, I was going to say, if Mike uh, didn't make this one either, you you could start coming up with weird, like, crazy reasons for him not to be here. Like, oh, oh, oh Mike is uh, visiting a parallel universe or some ridiculous shit. But nobody would believe that Mike was in a parallel well, universe. Well, no, but you could come up with, like, oh, oh Mike, Mike had uh, some sort of appointment. Just something... Both, both of them were reasonable. The yes. the excuses that I gave, because like, they were real things. <laughs> yes. <laughs> ah, but now I'm looking at the cover of uh, Earth One. Uh, but, uh, Earth One Volume One. Let's jump at, at right into talking about it. And I will say the first thing that comes to mind, and I dislike the artwork. I don't know why. <laughs> I, I don't say there's nothing wrong with it. It actually tells the story fine. It's just not my favorite artist. No, I'm, I'm, I, I, there's a, I like 
I, at this point, I'm kind of used to Rags Morales and uh, his artwork, so it was it was a little bit of a shift for me. So I I, I see where you're coming from. Yeah, but he has the underwear. Everybody complained about. I that. Uh, I like the artwork quite a bit, actually. Uh, like I said, there's nothing wrong with the artwork. It just isn't my favorite. But at the same time, I will say, and the only reason we're talking about artwork right now is because it's going to be the briefest part of this episode because the artwork, the artwork isn't uh, overwhelming, and it, it's not like uh, when we did the Kingdom Come Comic Book Club where we talked mostly about the art and less about the story. This, this, the, both of these especially. It's more about the story. The story is, uh, is an amazing story, but and, and the artwork does does the job and tells the story. And I don't know that I it would have been as effective with Jim Lee or Alex Ross or any other big name guy I, that you could think of. I don't think it would be as effective or, or more effective with those guys. Like I think Shane Davis isn't that his name? Yeah. Shane Davis is absolutely perfect for this. It's just. For whatever reason, I don't like it that much. But that's that's just me. Well, you know what? I was kind of thinking about this. It's if the, if you look at it, I seem to remember them saying when they first announced the Earth One stuff that it was going to be almost like Superman and Batman and eventually Wonder Woman for like the Twilight crowd. And if, if that's the case, this this kind of art style would very much fit that. You could see him looking like someone that the Twilight crowd would be into. And I would see, I think the the idea that it, it was for Twilight crowd was not something DC was ever promoting. That was just sort of... Well, yeah, Warner a, Brothers a more than DC. Yeah. I don't even think uh, Warner Brothers, because they know that that's really kind of the kiss of death to actually compare it to that. It's well, just true. this was for a younger... Right. A younger crowd, or, or more specifically... This this entire line was created to be accessible to uh, non-comic book people, but still um, hopefully appeal to comic book people. Uh, this it, it, it was not released to single issues. It was a graphic novel that was created for the book market. I mean, that was really the impetus for the line was places like Amazon and Barnes and & Noble, and I think Borders was still around at the time. Yeah, Borders um, was around. They they requested. I mean, they they were selling trade paperbacks. But trade paperbacks are always reprints of pre-existing material, and a lot of regular book publishers had gotten into publishing original graphic novels. And uh, you know, basically, there was a market there. The bookstore said, "Hey, we want to sell some new material that they can have the same time as comic book stores." And uh, and this was DC's answer. Marvel did a similar thing with their uh, season one line of graphic novels. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's you can pick this up without ever having read or seen anything Superman before. At least that's the theory. Yeah, and 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 you can. And and uh, see, and, and like I said, that was probably the most we're going to talk about the art. There will be a couple splash pages that are well, amazing. There's a, a couple of things that I want to then just kind of mention. At least not not specifically about Shane Davis as an artist, but uh, I mean there is. A, a redesign to the look and the, a slight redesign to the costume, um, both of which kind of tie into the making it distinct and different and, you know, appealing to a different sort of group. Um, and I thought I thought they did a, a very good job of that. I mean, the costume is, is slightly different. 
you know, it's it's in the way that it's colored, it's a little bit darker. There's uh, there's you know lines on it to give it kind of more of a modern texture. But you know, like you mentioned, they still have the the underwear, which the you know the actual you know quote unquote real Superman no longer has. Um, it's still got the S on the back. It's still got uh, the the same basic structure, but uh, it looks a little bit different. Although Clark is drawn very, very different. He's no longer nearly as big as he was, uh, and he's clearly much younger. Yeah. Now, this is before this is before the new 52, right? This is this actually, yeah. Okay. Yeah, this is from 2010. If you kind of look at this, and then, of course, the traditional, and then the new 52 suit, you could kind of see what they were doing with that coming, too. You know, yeah. it's kind of a middle ground between the two. And the... Some people have suggested, I think Straczynski himself has suggested, that the fact that this was successful, and this was hugely successful, this sold out uh, in every comic book store and on Amazon uh, within days of release because it it got some some press. Um, It was hugely successful, and that kind of convinced DC that they could actually do some relatively radical things with with their bigger characters and and get away with it and you know ultimately making him younger and uh and and like even the hairstyle uh is is what they wound up doing in the new 52 but and uh, actually and one more thing on on the uh art uh the colorist whoever the colorist is let me let me actually look it up because the colorist is Doing a lot of heavy lifting in this. Barbara Ciardo. What? Barbara Ciardo. Barbara Ciardo. Or Chardo or something like that. Chardo. Chardo. Yeah, that that's probably what it is. Yeah, great, very painted looking color. It's sometimes painted, sometimes digital. Like at least that's how it looks. It's not always the same, but the the colors really do bring this book alive. It's got kind of a watercolor look to it. I like. And and that's yeah. a look that, that also makes it stand out a little bit from the regular comic. It's not as primary color. It's uh, a lot more muted, a lot more real. Uh, really good stuff. Uh, like I said, I think the artwork's great. I think uh, Shane Davis is a, is a terrific artist. Um, a very modern artist. I mean, he's, he's definitely got the kind of line work and detail and cross-hatching that's, that comes from kind of the modern uh, image school of things, but but his proportions are pretty straightforward, his face is all of that stuff. He uses a good deal of photo reference, but uh, nothing looks like it's completely traced. Uh, good alien ship design, things like that. Uh, the Chris Mitchell, what do you think of the art? Because, you know, you're not a comic book reader at all. No, I I, I think I think the the artwork does, does serve its purpose very well in, in the, it, it is a more it's a more muted Superman it's a more um, earthy one than, than I've seen previously so I, I think having the slightly toned down artwork is it does does the job well it's not you know awesome the greatest thing that you've ever seen in the world but it, it does definitely right. serve the purpose um, that it's there to do and, and the now, now I, uh, that's why I wanted to say, talk about artwork off the top because I'm going to. Uh, the next thing we're going to talk about is the the thing that this got labeled with, without people ever reading it, which was emo Superman. I, I, they talk yeah. about talk about him being depressed. Talk about him blah blah, and, and 
after, like, like I said before, you guys didn't hear me, I literally read this again seven hours ago. He is not depressed. No. He is not emo at all. As a matter of fact, he is riding with the weight of the world on his shoulders. And, 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 and you really get that through the artwork and through the storytelling. Like, the, I, I, I wanted to take, you know, you could just fly to Metropolis. Why are you, why are you riding the train? Flying's too fast, Mom. I want this to, uh, to take time. I want, I need time to think. Like, because the weight of the world is on this young man who isn't Superman yet. He is just Clark Kent. He is deciding whether he's going to take that step to be Superman or be a football star or be a scientist or, or be whatever he wants to be. Everything is at your fingertips. Not like, um, not like when your parents normally say, you can be anything you want. You can be president someday. You know, that's usually lip service. But for this Clark Kent, more than any other Clark Kent I'd ever seen before, it wasn't lip service. It's literally true. He could literally do whatever he wants to do. And, and, with, and that, without even trying either. You know, that's, we, that's the other yeah. part of it. And so if you've got literally anything you want to do without any effort, how are you supposed to make any sort of decision? Because, you know, if there's no effort, there's there may not be any passion, you know. So he's he's got nothing he's passionate about, and you know that whole emo Superman rep that this book got, uh, that kind of kept me away from the book until pretty much when you guys announced that eventually we're, you were going to do this book for the comic book club. Uh, uh, they're particularly the uh, the Batman on Film dot com crowd. Uh, they have a kind of a spinoff podcast, and they. They talked this book down quite a bit, and I stayed away from it. And I really regret that I did because this is this is a, he's not emo at all. He's just no one. And to top it off, he's on an Earth where no one has ever done super er, superheroing before. You know, he's in the same position that uh, Nolan's Bruce Wayne is at, at Batman Begins. He is in completely uncharted territory, and that's what I appreciate about it. Yeah, it, this book, I mean, it got mostly uh, mixed to negative reviews, and a lot of people just tore it apart. Um, but as as is usually the case, uh, if you look at the the reaction on the Internet, uh, you would think that this, this book was just hated and despised. Yet it was, you know, hugely successful, uh, and, and it, I mean, it launched, you know, there was a Batman Year One, or Earth One, and, and there... Presumably will be others. Yeah. So I think it uh, sold very well, as Batman Earth One did, um, and uh, and and got a good reaction from fans. It's just you know, blogs and, and pundits and reviewers. I, I think a lot of people made up their minds about this book when it was announced. Um, you know, Straczynski himself is a very polarizing writer. Uh, again, if you look online, everybody hates him. Yet his books tend to sell quite well. Um, which is why DC, you know, got him for an exclusive and put him on on this book, um, and, uh, and and yeah, that idea that they're trying to, to capture a younger crowd, and and yeah, the thing, things like emo and Twilight was kicked around a lot. Whereas really, what all it means is is just like what what you were saying, Damon, is this is just literally a younger Superman. He's older than Smallville. Um, or maybe he's at the, you know, the, where Smallville eventually wound up, but younger than, you know, the Superman people had seen, because he's really at that point 
that every single person is at some point in their lives when they just have to decide, okay, what, what's my grown-up uh, identity going to be? And, uh, and I think they do a great job of that. I, coming into the book completely cold, I, I hadn't read anything about it being emo. And, and the thing that I get from, from, from reading it is that uh, he's got limitless opportunities. He can do anything that he wants. He is the smartest person in the world, the fastest, strongest. But he doesn't know what he can do. If you catch my drift, he doesn't know what he is going to be able to pull off and still stay true to the things that he wants to be. So when he's going going through all these trials, it's, it's, he's not being emo. He's just has got the weight of the world on his shoulders, and the decisions that he's going to make um, next is is going to affect the entire planet. And you're going to be um, edgy about that sort of thing. So you know he's he's not being interest, introverted or anything like that in in the in the comic. He's just got very important decisions to make. Yeah, I, 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 I truly do love this iteration of Superman. If this is what Superman was in the in the week-to-week or in the month-to-month comic book, I could actually read this Superman all the time. Because, unfortunately, it's the Superman that most DC fans don't like. He's a guy that, he kind of has feet of clay, but he doesn't really have feet of clay. You know, the more I think about it, he has no feet of clay. It's just that they're telling the story like he does. Because he's still an honorable dude, he's still up, you know, upstanding, righteous, he still does what's right. They're just telling it in a way where, huh, that's so weird. Because it feels like a Marvel book, but it's not. It clearly isn't. I don't know what I'm trying to say here, Mike. What am I trying to say? Well, I think uh, it's it's more a matter of he's he, he doesn't have feet of clay, necessarily, in terms of he's got flaws like a Marvel character would. But I think the world that he's living in uh, feels... Ve- and, and his his reactions as a person are very, very grounded and very, very realistic. I Even though the idea that he... Uh, and, you know, it, and I, it's one of the, I think, the best scenes in the book is early on where he goes to the laboratory and says, hey, what are they working on in there? And, oh, they've been trying to solve this equation for three years. And he, he shows them an equation... And they basically, he, he solves years and years of work. Um, he goes and tries out for football, and he's amazing at it. And in that scene where you see him trying all of these things and being great at all of them, that's something that makes a lot of sense for Superman, but I've never really seen them do that before. Exploring well, no. how he would be in a real world, uh, in, in a more real world than, I guess, the traditional DC universe, I think, is one of the, the big things about this book. And I think that's why it feels more like a Marvel book. Because to me, the Marvel universe always felt more like our universe than the DC. Do you think that maybe that's because... And, and maybe why, you know, longtime fans balked at this the way they did is maybe because... Uh, and it's they for the same reason they balk at the 50, uh, New 52, or some do, is that... We've gotten so used to having a Clark who's in the prime of his career, who's 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 already been through these problems, and it's come out the other side, and that's the Clark that comic fans have become kind of used to. And yeah, seeing so. Clark having to get there may be kind of rough for them, and it's something you can take in a, in a movie because you know 
the excitement of a movie, but I guess people get all a little bit uh, protective of Clark, a little bit more protective of Clark in the comics than they would be of Clark in a movie doing these same things. Oh, definitely. And like I think, and, and yeah, I think that's it. Like on a show like Smallville, you just tell yourself, well, he's not Superman yet, um, and, and so all of those all of those things that can get him to to become Superman are, are fine. But when you're reading a book called Superman, the expectation is that he's already there. But for me, it's like I don't read Batman Year One and expect that to be the same Batman that you get, you know, in, in the monthly comic. You know, yeah. I, I and and I think yeah, for a lot of people, it is that idea. We don't want to see we don't want to see what takes him to be the hero. We just want to see him be the hero. Whereas I'm the opposite. I actually like seeing what what create like even. You know, I, I guess we, we're... Are we going to talk about these individually or kind of just sort of lump it all together? Uh, I wanted to do a little individually, but we can lump it together, too. Well, just, and, and, you know, maybe we'll get to this a little bit more when we talk about the second book. Um, you know, we see in there him fantasizing about killing someone. And, you know, we all know Superman, Superman doesn't do that. Yeah. Um, even if the person is horrible, he's not going to fry him with heat vision. But seeing him fantasize about doing that, knowing full well that he won't and that he can't, just like every one of us has fantasized about killing, uh, you know, the person who cut you off or some just some dumb thing, and you think about you know just punching their head off or something, just you know ridiculous thoughts that go through your head that you know you would never actually do, and probably, you know, I, I probably couldn't kill somebody unless I was heavily armed. Um, but knowing that Superman has the same kind of impulses that he knows he can't kill, but he wishes that he could sometimes, but knows that that's a line he won't cross. You know, I think that's all great stuff. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, and the, the, the things that are new and old to this universe, uh, you've got things like uh, Jonathan Kent being dead again. He'd been alive for a very long time in the comics for uh, what for at least like fifteen twenty years. Uh, well, yeah. Since the Man of Steel reboot, so yeah, so he, he was. They were both still alive going into the the relaunch, right? I because I, I wasn't ready. Re- oh, okay. Because I, I hadn't read. I think the last Superman story I read was like just after he came back to life. Like other than stuff like Birthright and uh, like. This I, this this is why I like Earth. I love my favorite storyline that I've read in the last ten years or so. Prior to Earth One is and maybe still is Birthright. And there again, that's another origin story. I really I like this story. Yeah, it's so funny. People always complain about why are they going to retell the origin of Superman in movies and films and whatever. And it's because it's a great story. Like you. Every time it gets retold, somebody adds something to it to modernize it or uh, or add it to your universe and connect it to you. It's a really good story. It's a story of a guy who has the potential to do whatever he wants, and he chooses to help people. And that's something that it's it's the ultimate big guy taking taking care of the underdog. You know, like the underdog story, but not really an underdog story. But, but he is an underdog because Clark Kent is, a, is an underdog, and he is Clark Kent, and it. Ah, I love this story. Now, what's what's interesting here, and and what what they've done uh, with this origin story is normally, you know, the the origin 
of, of Superman. You know, he's, Krypton is going to explode. Jor-El puts him in the rocket, sends him to Earth. Uh, he's found and raised by the Kents. You know, all of that is stuff that, you know, we've been seeing, you know, time and time again since the 1930s. But here they add the twist of that Krypton was not destroyed by natural means or, or shifting orbits. It was actually an act of genocide. And the the perpetrators of that genocide come to Earth looking for the last survivor of Krypton to uh, to fulfill whatever it is they're going to do. And and that ultimately, seeing his new world endangered in the way his, his original world was endangered, is what makes him realize, you know, he's got to use his abilities uh, for good. Um, and that's all a big that that's that's all new. That's something that I've that I've never seen before. Actually, tying the destruction of Krypton into what becomes the narrative in the present here is something very very different. Usually, you get an origin takes place in the past, and then everything that that's in the the present is just a completely separate story. But here, Straczynski makes the whole thing, Krypton, Smallville, and Metropolis, all part of one story. And with a, with a couple extra updates, too, like, you know, Martha and uh, Jonathan are out hiking in the mountains. You know, they aren't just driving in a Kansas field. Or where were they in the mountains? They were in the hills, wherever they yeah. are. They're, they're out hiking, yeah. and they see a crash. They go to it. They hear a baby. They get the baby, and they leave. And then there are black helicopters coming to yeah. see what the fuck that this was. This is one of the first times that they don't recover the ship. Yeah, they don't recover the ship. They recover a piece of the ship. The government recovers the ship, and they go, what the hell is this thing? And in the 1930s, when they create this character, you know, you can have a a crash from space, fine. It happens all the time. We don't know about it. Hell, what was it, 130 years ago? They How long ago was the Russia, Russian, uh, what do you call that thing? The Meteorite? Yeah, like, like 1907, I think, 1908. Like, it was like a hundred years ago. Nobody knew what happened there. It was a mystery. And now, just a couple weeks ago, one comes screaming down over Russia, and it's on all kinds of film. Like, you can no longer tell this story and make it believable in a world where we have satellites and things that can see into space, and we can see something coming. And if, and even if we don't see something coming. If it comes down and hits, somebody's got a video camera out. Like, they're, 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 they are tracking things like this. So the, the idea of a world where he crashes and they're able to get the spaceship and they're able to get the baby and nobody ever knew about it or saw anything, that, that world is gone. That naivete of our universe, our world, has expanded where things like that don't seem plausible anymore. That, that, uh, Plausible deniability, not plausible deniability. Uh, I'm trying to think of the phrasing. Disbelief. Uh, of disbelief. Right. That's one of those things that people, every time, will go, well, you know, because uh, from the age of this Superman, he's probably born in the late 80s, early 90s. That's how old this Superman is. He's in his early 20s. And if he was... The, the U.S. government would have been all over something landing 
in anywhere in our country during the Cold War yeah. or just after the Cold War. And there, there have been stories, you know, imaginary stories that DC has done with that uh, in the point. past, too. Um, I mean, I think that, that you, can't, you can't still make that work. I mean, you just introduce some kind of cloaking technology on, on the ship. And, and, you know, it's an advanced ship and things like that. But I think the, the, one of the reasons for doing that is by giving the government that ship, uh, which he does reclaim at the end. And the government, you know, fortunately, the, the technology is so advanced, they can't really do much in terms of reverse engineering it or getting anything out of it. But it, it, it shows that the traditional take on Superman, which is kind of like Superman as government stooge, uh, that's been around really since, since the. I mean, I guess in the fifties, that's really where it, it starts, and then you know becomes sort of almost parody by the time you get to the eighties. That they they would they would distrust Superman the way they would distrust any kind of superhero. Um, they fear him. They're, they're trying to find out a way to destroy him. Uh, he's an alien threat. You know, when Superman. Uh, in the 50s, Superman is an alien living on Earth, and nobody's freaking out about it, despite the fact that you know most of the movies that were out there, science fiction movies, the aliens are, are scary bad people. Um, and for a long time, that aspect of Superman was ignored. Nowadays, and certainly in here, the fact that he's an alien is scaring the shit out of a lot of people. As it should. <laughs> an all-powerful alien has come down, and he's just... Like, the, the the what is this woman's name? Sandra Lee. Oh. Sandra Lee. Sandra Lee is very reasonable. She's very logical. She's not she's not crazy in her you know pursuit of what Superman is or what this thing is. She and, and at the end where she's like, did did he set this up so he could be our savior? Did he like when these questions that she asks are reasonable questions? These aren't magno and megamaniacal crazy person questions that you, you know, you throw out there because you want to kill Superman. She doesn't want to kill Superman. It's a, this thing is a threat. Right. We don't understand it. We don't know what it is. It is a threat. Did he set this up so he could look good? Uh, does he think they're going to come back? Uh, is he going to have to protect, are we going to have to rely on him to protect us from these things? Can we just send him off the planet? Because we don't want him here. Like, these are all things that are perfectly reasonable, and I like it. And what I think is interesting, and it kind of really goes to what we have, have talked about uh, as far as Superman many, many times on the show, which is if it wasn't for uh, the upbringing, and, and, and I think as you guys mentioned, even, even uh, on the, uh, the, the animated podcast, that it really is a combination of, of Jonathan Kent and Jor-El and kind of the noble legacy and, and the idea that he's this last survivor and has to make something with the destiny and the chance that he's given. All of this stuff feeds into why he is not the megalomaniacal tyrant that any one of us would be if we possessed this kind of power. And the, the fact that we, we know and accept that Superman is not like that is because we know him. We know who he is. Whereas if you didn't, if you were just... You know, you know Joe Schmo on the street, and you don't know about that upbringing. You don't know about all those things about him. You don't because they don't know Clark. They fear Superman. 
Well, it, I mean, it's an appropriate reaction, isn't it? I mean, the oh, idea of flying indestructible alien who can shoot lasers out of his eyes and freeze you with a breath, that's terrifying. And and that's why I think, like, really, this these two books do a great job of of kind of showing this this modern idea of who Clark Kent is. I mean, things always go back. People always talk about the Kill Bill quote where Clark Kent is Superman's critique of us, which may have been true uh, a long time ago, but modern interpretations really have, have shifted, and they've made Clark the person and Superman the public identity that he puts on so that people don't, recognize there there's a secret identity that, and go after uh, his his loved ones. Um you know that's why he doesn't wear a mask. Uh, and and in this book they have a comment on the mask where they're like if you wear a mask they'll never trust you. And um so I think this does a great job of actually showing us Clark Kent the person more than anything else. And that's really who we're following. That that's why we know he won't turn bad because it's not about the powers it's about the person. Anything from you, Mr. Mitchell? Uh, I was just going to ask, is this the first time that um, we see we see Clark? Um, I've, I've always thought about the origin story as, as he goes to Metropolis to become Superman and work at the Daily Planet. Is this the first time that we see any variance on that? You know, uh, the, the, the point where he, he's not sure about what he's going to do? Mr. Ortiz, you could say better than I. Well, I mean, that's uh, that I think had cropped up to some extent in uh, in Superman Birthright, uh, where he after he leaves high school, uh, he travels the world and he becomes a reporter at that point, uh, a correspondent though not specifically for the Daily Planet. Um, so they they have introduced that idea that he did some kind of soul searching beforehand. But this is the first time I've seen him really kind of ever debate being a scientist. And I was like, well, why not? He's, he's brilliant. He knows more about science than anybody. Or be an athlete. I mean, and, and in those, it's kind of funny because there's always this idea that he was taught that he can't use his abilities for personal gain. Um, but, you know, really anything he would do ultimately is using his abilities for personal gain to some extent or another. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, this is the first time there's ever they've really looked at that idea that maybe he could do something else. Maybe he would uh, he would be uh, a scientist or a businessman or, or any number of things. And and that that was like one of the things that that really stood out is this is a you know for lack of a better word modern take or more realistic and I hate using the word realistic when we're talking about an alien that flies around and shoots lasers out of his eyes but a more realistic take on Superman than we had seen for the most part at least specifically with Superman I think you've seen with indie comics and and other uh, companies that have done stories about Superman like characters um, Superman knockoffs, Superman homages that they have been comfortable with actually modernizing him to that degree. But for some reason, up until this, and you know, a little bit with Superman Birthright, but much more so with this, uh, DC was never comfortable making him that modern. Uh, you know, and, and they, they updated some other characters too, like Jimmy Olsen, or Jim Olsen, and this is fantastic, yeah. because his, his 
standing there to get the shot. Like, and he does it a couple times. And, and the first time you hear about it is Perry White going, wait, wait, what, what do you mean undercarriage? <laughs> like, you, wait, well, I had to get the shot. Wait, you had, you're going you're gonna to be the death of me. And, and there's a moment, and it's the moment where Clark decides to become Superman, basically. Yeah. And, and it's the, you know, it's the big bad guy is talking to Jim Olsen about why he's not running. You're not running because you must be the guy. And he's like, no, I'm, an, I'm a news photographer. Uh, we don't turn away. We don't run from the picture. And, and uh, what is it? And your kind would stay and die for a photograph? And Jimmy Olsen says, no, we stay and die for the truth because it's the only wor- thing worth dying for. And at that moment, that's the moment that Clark goes, you're right. The truth is the thing that's worth dying for. And he's not going to die. Like, and Clark comes in and kills the robot and starts kicking ass and taking names, and he reveals himself. Yeah, this isn't a, a G. Willikers, Mr. Kent, Jimmy Olsen. No, not at all. I get, I get uh, the impression that this is this is a Jimmy Olsen who has been around the world taking photographs and is very good at his job and is seasoned and knows what he's doing, where every other... in. Um, incarnation that I've seen has been, he's, he's the, the boy in the office who gets yeah. sent out to take photographs I, because he can't do anything else. I could almost see this Jimmy Olsen as like, if not a friendship of equals with Clark, almost as like a mentor, a professional mentor, as opposed to, you know, the professional, uh, you know, he, even, yeah. he, he, even, you know, he had even a bit of hero worship for Clark, much less Superman. And, I, I I do think that's something that the uh, the the Superman brand has needed for a very very long time, which is an updating of his supporting cast. Because for the longest time, the supporting cast was basically the same. And, and yeah, I know Jimmy Olsen in the comic books for a while was a a TV reporter. Like they had they they've had a hard time figuring out what to do with some of these characters. But I think they captured Olsen. Lois Lane and Perry White, almost as perfectly. I think as it's a fantastic make. Perry White. Yeah, like that. Perry White. Oh. And, and that's the thing is, is you know, and we had, we had actually talked about this when we weren't recording, uh, right before we were recording, is the idea of him being a, a reporter for a newspaper. Um, and yeah, when he was uh, first created, there was no television, so you know, obviously he's going to, if, you know, that that's the only kind of journalism that, that's around. And nowadays. You know, newspapers are, are are rapidly fading, and and I think I like how that's reflected in this book. The Daily Planet is not the great metropolitan newspaper with a reputation for clarity and truth. Blah blah blah. You know, it's not the shining beacon. It's kind of a dump. And uh, and you know, Clark goes there, and that's even kind of you know made an impression. Superman Secret Origin uh, picked up on that. I, I'm, I'm curious as to whether or not the movie will will look at that. You know he's basically going into kind of an anachronistic profession, but it's still a profession that is at its best dedicated to truth, just like Jimmy was saying. Yeah. And then he, and then he kicks the shit out of people. <laughs> like that's, that's the, the second half of this issue is amazing. And we get Brainiac because the ship is Brainiac. God damn it. I don't care what anybody I'd says. I assume that too. I, I, after reading it again, I'm like, oh, my God, the ship is Brainiac. And it's not the Brainiac that we know. You know, it's not the evil Brainiac. It's the other Brainiac, the 
pre-evil Brainiac, but it's still Brainiac. And, uh, yeah, he does kick the shit out of everything in the second half of this book. And this bad guy. I don't know who this bad guy is. He's, okay, like, I thought he was new. I wanted to double-check with my Superman expert, which is Mr. Ortiz. And he's a really good bad guy. I like him as well. He's like, yeah, I'm almost as strong as a Kryptonian. I'm, you know, these things are almost as strong as Kryptonian. And because you don't know anything about anything, we should be able to kick your ass. And then the ship shows up. I, I even love that sequence where they hit Superman with the, the red sun and the gravity. And, yeah. you know, they have to kind of drive the truck through. And even though it pulverizes yeah. the truck, uh, it, it's enough to get him out and, and, and get him up flying again. Oh, yeah. And I like that it's Jimmy Olsen and, and, and Lois Lane. That they were willing to die for this guy who was kind of helping. Like, Jimmy Olsen gets into the, the, the gravity beam. Like, he, he goes in there, and he gets pulled out. You know, Lois saves him. But Jimmy Olsen was the first one to try and help, <laughs> you know? Yeah, any, oh, it, I think any other writer that would have been Lois. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The thing about this, it, and I've been thinking about this as we were talking about it, I don't think anyone else could have come up with the story and put it together this way than, than Straczynski. This is almost like the the spiritual sequel to his Spider-Man run, you know, don't you think? Oh yeah, and in terms of of making it kind of more more real and more more layered and more textured. Yeah. Um, but I think it's even more so, um, like the the Babylon Five connection. I mean, this Absolutely. is a yeah. this is a sci-fi story. Yeah. You know, this is this is alien spaceships and and Superman against aliens, and you know, there's always that complaint of like how it's hard to do a Superman story. Because he's too powerful, and it's like, well, he's not too powerful when you just put him up against big, epic things. And this an alien invasion. Superman single-handedly beats back aliens trying to destroy the planet. Aliens who are fully capable of destroying the planet. Um, and, and that's how you do it. You just give it something that big, and still the, he manages to make it personal. Because, you know, this is, you know, this is the man who ki- basically killed his parents. Yeah, and I, I yeah. think that's why he made that choice here. I, and not only that, it makes it makes these guys that he invented for the story serious cuz they they wiped out Krypton, which at this point I think we can all kind of I mean the the whole Jesus Christ analogy or uh, analogy Krypton is Eden, Krypton's paradise. And if these guys came in and wiped it out, they're they're bad fucking news. You, you notice the, the the aliens are looking for Clark, yeah, and he know, and he knows that from from the from the off as soon as they come down that he knows that they are looking for him. They know him. They know what his weaknesses are, and that that's one of the things that makes them a formidable enemy for him because he knows they know him and where he's from and his weaknesses, and he knows nothing about them until obviously they have the showdown and the exposition comes out. But I think I think you know as a as a counterpoint and a villain for him, they're, they're excellent, the, the aliens. Uh, and there, there's a moment where uh, Superman, and it is Superman, not Clark, he, uh, he turns on red sunlight, and the, the bad guy's like, no, red starlight, it's neutralized both of our powers. If we stay, when the ship explodes, we'll both be killed. And, and he goes, then we'll stay. Like, He's fully willing and ready to give his life for these people that he's never met and doesn't know. 
because, uh, but because of Jimmy Olsen. <laughs> like, that's the thing. That Jimmy Olsen moment is what, what spurs him on to become Superman, and, and, and the second he's willing to be Superman, he's willing to give up everything to do it. And I, I love that about this. One of the things and then he beats the that, that I think is kind of interesting <laughs> is uh, the idea that uh, this, uh, this, I can't even remember his name, the, the guy who destroyed Krypton, that uh, Krypton was destroyed at the behest of a third party uh, that's not revealed. And that's why they come to Earth, because they, they have to kill every last Kryptonian. Um, so we don't know who put them up to this or why or, or, or any of that. And, and I like that there is this deeper mystery that I was wondering if they're going to get to in the second volume. They didn't. Um, but the, the whole structure of this, this series... Um, like it, it, it. When I first, when I read the first one, I, I thought to myself, it didn't feel like it was a movie. It felt like it was a two-hour pilot for a big-budget TV show, mm-hmm. because a movie is usually a very even. You know, unless it's like a trilogy where there's a specific beginning, middle, and end. This feels like it's it's more open-ended. This is int- an introduction to Superman. It's still an ongoing narrative, but it's just kind of, you know, bigger and more blockbuster than uh, what you would normally get. Uh, so I like the fact that this is very much a, a series and that, you know, when we get into the second book, uh, you know, they're laying the groundwork for the next book. Um, and, you know, I, I think the plan was in initially to have these every year or so. There was a little bit more than a year between issues um, or issues between books. But uh, what do you think of that idea? Do you think that, do you think that works, that they give you enough to tease you to the next book, but still give you enough so that you feel satisfied by the time you're done. It works. It works for me. Well, yeah, for sure. And and I, I just hearing you there, I, I'm very very surprised that they never came back to the idea of the third party. You know, uh, because uh, if you, if you're going to make it a trilogy, to go back to that again for the third part would would be would make perfect sense. Well, it. I mean, there's only a, as you know, a person who knows comics. There's only a few people that this third party could be, and since they're now entered, you know, they, in the second book they introduce Luther. You know, you kind of, kind of, it's probably Dark Side would be my guess, but I could think of a couple others, I guess. Oh, it could be yeah. a lot of things. Was, it could be something uh, completely could, new. Yeah. yeah, I think that Darkseid would do it himself, though, from what I know of him. Well, Darkseid is always bound by by rules, you know, the rules that the All-Father lays down for him. So it, that might be part of the reason that, he I mean, tricked these guys. It, it is, is Darkseid. This is a whole new continuity, though. I mean, this yeah. is the... the Old rules uh, do not apply. I mean, in the next issue, we get a very, very different uh, take on well, Parasite, and, and, you know, hey, there's some... There's some we're going to talk about that now. Why not? That's a good segue. Jump right into, the, yeah, right into the next issue. And, and, and I will say one thing about it. If you were not a comic book fan, you would notice that there's a third party... But you wouldn't think anything right. of it. It's just a part of the story. They don't say it's a third party. Dun, dun, yeah. dun. It goes, during this thing, blah, 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 a third party told us to do this, and we did this. And you go, okay, and then they t- continue this story, and the story ends. And, and you're fine with it because 
this story was about Clark coming to Metropolis and Clark uh, rising to the throne of being Superman. And, and that's what this story is about. It's not the story of what happened to Krypton. Yeah. No, they, spent, they, they actually what spend very little time you know, talking about Krypton at all. Right. I mean, you get bits and pieces, but this is something that eventually becomes something huge or, or nothing at all. You never know. But it, it's, it's the way you write... Uh, I'm trying to think of uh, early seasons of the X-Files was like this, where you would get a piece of the puzzle. And it would be like, wait, wait, are aliens real? Like, eventually, when they revealed aliens were real, it kind of sucked. But there were pieces in episodes, and you would go, that episode was really cool, and they mentioned this one thing. And, and you could tie it all together eventually later. Like, they did it with Lost. They did it with, uh, they did it a lot with Lost. They did it a lot with uh, Battlestar Galactica, where they started to, just throw out little pieces of puzzles early on, and you can come back to it. But this is completely innocuous. It, it doesn't hurt the story. It helps the story. It makes it a, a little bit richer, fuller universe, and leads us into ah, issue two, <laughs> which is fucked up. <laughs> I love the parasite. The, this I like this parasite. I forgot all about parasite. So I've been watching a lot of the animated he's series. A good, he's what. What I like about Parasite, it, they, you know, they use his uh, rogues gallery a little bit better than they, definitely better than they did in the movies, because uh, the Parasite is a kind of, you can't use them all the time, but what, you know, you can get a really good story out of them every once in a while, and this is, that I think this is how you use Parasite. Yeah, you, you have to use Ferris. You have to use them sparingly. But uh, there, there's more Clark Kent things in this. Uh, issue two, we find out that Clark Kent's a virgin. <laughs> it's one of the, the first things we, we find out Clark Kent is a virgin, and I'm pretty sure Lois and Jim Olsen have been banging, or at least once or twice have, have had sex with each other. They have more of a relationship than they ever had ever before. It's specifically implied that they are having a sexual relationship. Yeah. They are. They are indeed. I, I, I think, I think um, my initial impressions going into the second um, second volume is, is Lois Lane is just brilliant. A brilliantly written character in this particular... I don't know whether her suspicions have ever been put on page before, but I've never seen them in any of the things that I've, I've watched. And she's like, who is this guy? I need to find out more about him, and she's not letting go of the fact that Clark Kent... That, that her whole suspicions come from, you know, he managed to get an interview with Superman out of nothing, and, and she's going to follow it through. I think that's the, an interesting take that I haven't seen before. Well, yeah, and, you know, a reporter as good as Lois Lane is going to go, wait a minute, he just showed up to interview the guy who didn't even have a... Or to give an interview to a guy who didn't have a job, didn't have a professional reputation? That's fucking crazy. And then, you know, piece by piece, she starts to see, like, I love how, and it says things about Clark, like, how dedicated he'd have to be to be a literal straight C student throughout high school and yeah. things like that. I mean, the guy performed a, a disappearing act, and all these things would just lead her further and further down the road. Yeah, that that was I thought really interesting is they the the idea of her trying to uncover 
uh, Superman's secret or, you know, even, you know, more literally to prove that Clark Kent is, is Superman, uh, you know, that goes all the way back to uh, the Silver Age and, and it even, you know, pops up in, uh, in the, the Donner movies um, and, and, you know, there's been nods to it in other areas. Uh, but it's almost always been her doing this by putting herself in peril or something like that. The idea that she actually just goes and starts researching Clark's life and, you know, under the guise of, of human resources is, is really clever and very real. And I liked seeing those glimpses. You know, the idea that he, he was someone who kind of stood out and, uh, and made an impression and, and really was kind of better than the people around him and got beaten up but never hurt, uh, but never defended himself. And then he eventually just, you know, like you said, decides to vanish. You know, no extracurriculars, no, uh, no great grades. Uh, that, you know, the best way for him to keep from, from drawing attention to himself was to basically vanish. And then, you know, Superman becomes the way that he can draw that attention. Yeah, uh, this is such a, this universe that is being created for Clark Kent and Superman is fantastic, and, you know, they expound on other people's relationships, but there's the moment that Mike has already talked about once, not during this, but during something else, talked about his cat. That super cat that was I, that broke my damn heart. <laughs> oh my god, dude! I like reading it again. I get so so sad. And uh, those of you that haven't read it yet, you'll read it. He he finds a cat in the woods that was you know a, a kitten in the woods that you know had just had their parents killed, and he brought it home, saved it from some wolves or dogs or whatever, and you know she lo- would sit and watch the moon with Clark. It was his only friend in the world. And, you know, cats don't live that long. You know, they live a while. But she died. And Clark, because he's Clark, he, and and he's a, he's a fully powered Clark. This is a fully powered Superman. He, uh, he decides to bury her on the moon. And he goes up and, and buries her on the moon when she dies. And, and every night, he, he would look up at the moon to look up at his dead cat. And it's like, oh, God. And, uh, and go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, one go. of the things uh, that that got me when I was uh, when I was reading it, and now I had I had skimmed it the the book when it came out, and I remember reading that scene, and I I, I did mention it. That was on a uh, uh, monogamous mail, I believe. Um, but reading it, that scene again, uh, you know, there's a there's a moment in there where he's on the moon, uh, he's got a little grave, and he's crying, uh, but because there's no gravity, the tears are just floating. Um, and that was such a like nice small touch in the artwork to acknowledge that, you know that 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 would be happening there, uh, and reminding us that this is not on Earth was just a great little moment. Especially when Superman yeah. always classically had a dog. Hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah. It, it turned it into a cat, but that's because I feel uh, uh, the the loner mentality of this Clark Kent. Lends itself way more to a cat being a cat person than a dog person. Oddly enough, 
Because dog people tend to be outgoing and want to see each other. Like, and, and, I mean, what was interesting in the in the classical story in, 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 with Superman is the idea that Crypto was the first other being from Krypton he encountered. He encountered Crypto long before he encountered uh, Supergirl or uh, the uh, the Bottle City of Candor or anything of that. So he, the connection was just here is another creature who can kind of understand me. Uh, to some degree, but I think the idea of a dog flying around in a cape uh, <laughs> doesn't fit in this world. Uh, I mean, it, it fits perfectly fine in the DC universe, but it, it doesn't fit here. It's just yeah. like, uh, you know, this is a universe, just like, you know, the Nolan Batman universe. Uh, in, in the DC universe, the idea of uh, the Joker being created by falling in a vat of acid and literally having his skin dyed white makes perfect sense. But that's kind yeah. of kind of a little over the top and ridiculous uh in in uh for for you know Heath Ledger's Joker. So there it's it just becomes a war paint. Um and I think that idea of let's make this a more grounded, more realistic and again, even in this one, even though there's no aliens uh, all of the parasite stuff is is very high tech. It's very sci-fi. Uh, so you know, really, this is a science fiction series. I'm wondering if they will eventually get to things like Mixelplik or anything kind of magical, since magic has always you know classically been one of Superman's weaknesses. Uh, but yeah, I mean, so far there's even even no kryptonite. So. Uh, yeah. There, you know, we've got two issues. The first one introduces a new villain. The second one goes with the Parasite, which is a great villain for Superman because the Parasite is only as powerful as, as that which he's up against. So you put it up against Superman, and now Superman's power is a danger to everyone. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, but then we get that hint of a, a very, very different take on on Lex... Uh, at the end, Lex squared, essentially. Yeah, Lex squared. But I, I, I like the par- I like the fact that we learn a lot about parasite because I, I didn't know anything about I think that's parasite before this. I, I, I'm sure it's all new. But you you mentioned over the top. Parasite goes over the top well before he well, yeah. becomes parasite, and, and, I, and I think that's what actually once he becomes parasite and you know he's doing all the crazy things that parasite does you're able to go okay because he's talking to a guy who's strapped to a house full of bombs and he walks out and he blows up the house. Like, he's a cold-hearted, manipulated killer. Like, he's he's a sociopath. I love him. <laughs> I think it, it also uh, gives you the, 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 the polar opposite of Clark as well. You know, Clark is a, a well-rounded person with superpowers and parasite is what happens when someone who is a sociopath gets given um, abilities. You know, he just goes on a rampage. But even like the, I think it's interesting that the the sociopath still has that one weakness for his sister. I mean, he uh, he pr- tried to protect her when he was young, and and she ultimately is his undoing here. And yeah, her oh own. God. That was that was <laughs> that was so sad. <laughs> like, but we'll talk about it in a minute because uh, his neighbor, Clark's neighbor, wants to bang him. Oh yeah, hard. I like this character a lot. <laughs> I, yeah, I, me too. I, I really do. I, I she uh, it her relationship with Clark makes a lot more sense than 
say, oh, I don't know, Wonder Woman. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah. I like how at first I just was like, is this Lana? Is That's she's what I thought, too. Right. Yeah. And then, no, it's just a different LL. Yeah. Just a different LL. In, which in many was, ways, it reminds but, me of uh, what they did with Cat Grant, you know, making oh, her kind of the aggressive yeah. sex bot. Oh, like in Lois and Clark? Yeah. Right? That was, yeah. That was where that came from. Yep. Well, I might have been in Burn. Well, she was in the comics, but she wasn't like, at least she I don't was, recall her being like actively yeah. trying to bang Clark. Well, she was usually married, I thought. Yeah, that's right. She had kids. She had a kid. Yeah. But, but I did think it was kind of a, a wild thing that we find out that Superman is a virgin. Like, at the, at, the, at least at this point, because, you know, uh, Pa can't scare yeah. him like, I don't know if you've got the money yeah. control. Oh, yeah, you got to admire like, JMS for attacking the whole Man of Steel woman. Well, yeah, I mean, he even uh, literally referenced <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Which, Which I, I thought was really funny. Like, wow. <laughs> even though he doesn't say the kryptonite yeah. condom thing, because, you know, like like we like we know. But I love the, you know, his universe, powers yeah. are gone, and he... Almost yeah. gets a chance to, but then the powers yeah. come back. He's like, couldn't come back half an hour later. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. As soon as he starts seeing through her, it's like, no. Yeah. He's going to go back to the oh, fortress God, and can we just shut my powers off for a half an hour? For like I, half an hour. I do get the feeling he he's going to nail this check in, in, before it's long. Oh, yeah. I've I, I never bought into will. the whole Man of Steel woman of Kleenex theory so no I, I don't either <laughs> I, and I love the fact that he he doesn't really know how to talk to girls because this girl wants to bang him so you could tell jokes and stuff like that when she's asking to tell yeah. something about you but he tells the cat story which is one of the sweetest most beautiful sad stories of all time which completely turns it turns on the waterworks on in her head and turn them off somewhere else. <laughs> so it, it, it's also a great way to, to show um, a little bit of Clark being a bit of a bumbling idiot. You know, you don't yeah. see it throughout the rest of the, the, the of the two books. But it is, you know, the moments where he's alone with her, he doesn't, he has no idea what to do or say. And it, it's re- a really nice nod yeah. to the to the idiot that Clark that you see in in other formats. Well, and it definitely makes sense considering. I mean, this this guy socially probably completely bailed out of high school. I mean, it, so how, when is he going to learn to talk to girls? It, you know, yeah. that sort of thing. It, it, it fits the story. It, it's not just Clark yeah, very much. being, you know, Chris Reeve in one aspect of his life. It's, it's you know, it came from somewhere. And that, I like that about it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, here the, the social awkwardness is not played for uh, it, it's not a cover up comedic effect and it's not necessarily played yeah. for laughs even though it is it does lead to some funny stuff it's it's really kind of just a reminder of of how different he is and again it's kind of like you know the you know going back to the idea that this you know this was called an emo superman but you know in a lot of ways all he's really doing is putting putting Superman in situations where we can find something to identify with and connect with. And it's like, oh, Superman, 
in circumstances is is just as so socially awkward as anybody, and you know he faces the same life choices. This is this is a Superman that it seems really easy to identify with, and you know for me that's a good thing. Yeah, I love it, and, and you know, and what's what's wild about this one? The other one has a big long fight at the end. This one is a big long fight. There's there's more fighting in this one than the first one, and 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 it's one of those the the classic. It's now a movie trope, which is once you get the origin story out of the way, once you once you d- establish who these characters are. You can pretty much do whatever you want with them, and you can have lots and lots of fun with them. And and the, the second issue, it, or second trade, whatever you want to call it, is lots and lots of fun. And there's a lots and lots and lots of fighting in this one, a lot more because Parasite needs power. His his greatest strength is his greatest weakness because he keeps getting run down. But I like how they also kind of they also briefly uh, touch on the political aspect. You know, Superman flies into that other country and and is found, finds himself kind of unable to to do anything. Um, you know, he he is still at the mercy of of laws and and things like that. Um, politics is not something that you can punch your way through. Um, so he has to find another way to do it, and and he does. I mean, and that's where he uses his brains. And uses a plan rather than you know just flying and, and blast something with heat vision or or punch it. Uh, and I, I thought all of the scenes with the general or whatever whoever it was the dictator were great scenes um, that, that show that Clark really has decided to try and make things better, but you know realizes that there's there's limits to what he can do, uh, and it's it's not it, and it's because being invulnerable and incredibly strong does not necessarily mean you can solve problems like, you know, politics or things like that. And then even the continuing yeah. subplot of the military, you know, that that flows very seamlessly with the, the first one. I mean, it doesn't come to any kind of fruition. There's a lot more talk. The military uh, ultimately enlists uh, Mr. and Mrs. Lex Luthor um, uh, at the very end. But you know, this is the, the parasite story is the the story. But then there's a, there's a good strong B story of they're still trying to figure out what's going on with him and who he is. Uh, all very very realistic and and uh, and very very well done. Yeah, and then the the crystal suit, <laughs> which is so hokey but so. Oh, I do like that he goes back to to the ship to to Brainiac and goes. So what do I do? Because he doesn't know, you know. Yeah. So, so what do I do? And it's like, you know, the uh, the, the ship goes. Well, you're going to need some sort of suit. Or how long is that going to take? A while. And he just goes off again, and then comes back <laughs> for it later. I think it's it's great. It's a great way of showing that he's he is super smart. He's super fast. He's super strong. But he hasn't got all the answers yet. And it's another rubber stamp on the fact that he is not mate. He's got the suit and everything like that, but he isn't Superman yet. Yeah. Almost, almost there. there. And I really like the way that they just, you know, handle the the technology in general. I mean, that's one of the strange things about Superman. Uh, from 1938 to 1986, Krypton was pretty much just 
straight. It's technology and everything was straight out of 50 sci-fi or 30 sci-fi, you know, Flash Gordon stuff. And then Byrne gives it a very strange, modern updating it with a very, a very modern tech look, a very John Byrne tech look. Uh, but then like completely strips it of, of any personality. And then, then over the years, they're, they've been kind of back and forth with trying to weave some of that, uh, Silver Age style to it. Uh, but then this just goes with a completely different, um, just like, okay, ignore all the other stuff that's come except for, you know, the spit curl and the fact that it's a ship. Um, what would aliens that look like us, you know, what would we do? And it's just a very uh, straightforward, modern sci-fi take uh, on the technology, on the dress, on the, the architecture of Krypton, what little you see, um, which I really like a lot. I mean, I'm, I'm glad that at least in the next movie we're finally getting away from, you know, the crystal Krypton, which uh, Richard Donner introduced in Superman the movie. Um, the, the other thing that I like about this, this issue in particular, and I'm going to call it an issue because I don't care what anybody says, it's going to come out once every two years, who cares, it's still an issue of a comic book. Um, when, when he talks about, when he's talking with Martha about how he lost, when he lost his powers, and he's like, you know, at any moment, I get hit by a car, fall off a subway platform, get mugged, death and injury can come at any second. And he was like, I'm in awe of all of you. Having to live in that world where at any moment you could be hurt or die is terrifying, and you guys walk around yeah, like yeah, it's that was nothing. a great moment. Like, oh. And, and it is one of those things that we do do. Like, we walk We are surrounded by death at every second, and it's, and it's not until you are completely removed from it, like Superman is, because he's not surrounded by death. He's fine. Nothing can hurt you. You can't be hurt, that, that ever. That conversation is also... Sorry. Uh, that conversation is also kind of a callback to the first book, isn't it? Where uh, he touches the piece of uh, the ship, and then it shocks him, and he says, oh, so that's what pain is like. You know, yeah. So yeah, you've established in the first book that this guy was in his 20s before he ever experienced pain and then you give him a full taste of it in the second book yeah and and, and i i just i just like the fact that you know what so so maybe uh that's where i need to start putting some of my energy so people won't have to feel that vulnerable he's talking about the vulnerability of what all of us feel but we we don't. We just ignore it. We we tuck it down because that's life. That's the way it is. And he points out, oh, it doesn't have to be that way. Not that I'm now that I'm here. It doesn't have to be that way. And it's like, God damn it! I love you, <laughs> Superman. I love you so much. Be my Superman. I love you. Oh shit! I forgot about that too. Because Redhead was getting beat up by that one guy. <laughs> yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's great. I mean, uh, you've got, you got the, the nice little um, punctuation mark at the end. The, the guy who sits outside on the, the steps of his apartment building dies of a, of a drug overdose just at the end of it. And it's another thing for, for Clark to, to experience death of someone that he knows around him. And maybe maybe he should have done something for him as well. You know, because they, he opens up the apartment door and it, he's a bit of a Superman stalker. Yeah. That was strange. You know, he he could I, he could have, he could have helped him if he'd have just popped through the window in his Superman suit. 
I do wonder if that yeah. that uh, junkie knew if if he had put two and two together or something like that too. And that I think I prefer to think of it as, that he did because it it seems to add more weight to me. If he did know that Superman's just a couple floors up and he's still not coming to help me. Oh yeah. Or I was even wondering if that, I guess if, that does add if this this doesn't play out later that this is not something else you know kind of deeper that uh, that, that this is this guy isn't just a junkie that there, there's something else going on here um, but yeah I mean, and then even just the idea that this that he's going to have to face basically being at this point one of the most famous people in the world you know so I mean there's just so many things that that they've rarely tackled or or not just kind of not fully explored because it didn't fit in the world that they had built uh, in regular Superman comics that I think this series can can look at. Um, and and just looking at the tone of these two books, it it, it makes me think. Uh, and and what we've seen of of Man of Steel, uh, it seems like that's kind of what they're going to go for there. I mean, there seem to be a lot of similarities between. Uh, at least what I've heard about that, and and uh, what uh, what we've seen, uh, especially in the first volume here. I mean, in many ways, Zod coming to Earth is what uh, inspires him to become Superman. You know, we get this idea of him kind of searching for who he is a little bit more. So, uh, you know, I think that I think that even though it may have gotten some some bad reaction, uh, the the changes we see in Superman and the regular comics now. Uh, and I think what we're going to see in the movie, uh, in many ways, this book kind of broke that ground and, and made people realize that these yeah. are viable ways to look at Superman. Not, not only viable, but I think that if for the character to live on and expand like they want him to, uh, he has to change in, the, in these ways. Like, I, I honestly look back at reading... You know, just Superman, and I'm not talking about any new 52, like uh, the Grant Morrison stuff. I didn't complete reading it, but I, I, I read some of it. It was fantastic. I, but the Superman right before New 52 was the most boring character that I could ever come up with, ever. Like, there was, and it was no fault of Superman. It was a fault of. He was kind of out of room, wasn't he? The, yeah. Character-wise, right. yeah, yeah, there was nothing you could do with it. Yeah, there was nothing you could do. You weren't you weren't adding to the character that was Clark Kent or Superman. So uh, you know, every story you told was the same story. Something happens, he perseveres, and then he wins. Like this is this is what what always happens. And in, and in, the same thing happens in these, but for whatever reason, it feels like he may not. <laughs> like you know, he's going to to beat Parasite in this issue. You know he's going, well, in the first one, you don't know for sure, but it's Superman. You know he's going to beat the alien invasion. Um, but for whatever reason, it feels like maybe he won't. Maybe he can't. And maybe it's that little bit of doubt because he's such a new guy, new character, new new to what he's doing that makes it so good for me. But You know what, what I think what is interesting in this, this book, the first one, um, came out... Uh, at the end of October, I think it was around Halloween, um, 2010, and three different books came out at the end of, of 2010, and I recall actually having all three of them sort of sitting in front of me 
uh, and, and noting how different they were. But you had this one come out, uh, Superman, uh, Earth One. Um, then the uh, collected edition of Superman Secret Origin uh, by Jeff Johns and Gary Frank, which was the at the time the new uh, official origin of Superman. Though now it is, you know, two years later, three years later, already not the uh, the official origin anymore. And then the reprint of the Superman Muhammad Ali Treasury Edition by Denny O'Neill and Neil Adams. And you know, here you had three vastly different Superman, arguably from three very different times. I mean, the the Superman versus Muhammad Ali was was very much a '70s Superman, uh, entrenched in '70s continuity and '70s storytelling, uh, and it was a classic Bronze Age Superman. Um, the Secret Origin, you know, Jeff Johns I think did a good job of of taking all of the things that led up to what at the time was the modern Superman, the John Byrne Superman, and sort of wove all of them into a, a combo Superman of all these different things. Uh, and then you have this, which uh, instead of really looking back, is a completely forward-looking book. I mean, really three different takes, one of them uh, literally nostalgia, the other one kind of this mishmash of, of all different types of Superman things, and then this one, which was just a fresh start, a brand new Superman. And, and looking at them, it's kind of like, you know, it's easy to see which one of these is is targeted at a 35, 40-year-old uh, comic reader who's been reading forever, which one of them is kind of targeted at a modern comic book reader, and which one of them is really targeted at a, at a reader of the future. Yeah. You know, th- this will be on library shelves for a long time, and uh, and I can imagine... A, a generation uh, of people for whom this is the, the first Superman, at least the first Superman they ever read. It's funny. I, I, I have a feeling that this this Superman is going to end up being the de facto uh, origin. It'll be the one that people know, uh, you know, outside of the movies. Like, oh, I read that one comic because I guarantee you, the the bookstores are going to be chock full of Earth One volumes one and two, right before yeah. the movie comes out, and people are going to buy them hand and fist because it's an introduction to Superman. The, or the, the way that the Dark Knight trilogy sort of it's written on the back of that, if you know what I mean. People who went to yeah. see Batman uh, or the Dark Knight, um, and are waiting for more Batman can walk into a chain bookstore and see a Superman thing on the front set, you know, in the window, they, they'll pick it up, and it'll be this book. Mm. And it'll, it'll well, work. It's got staying it. power, too. I, it's well-written enough that this could, this could, st- I mean, even if you don't factor in the movie, and all, and the push that they're already starting, because I, I noticed when I was in yeah. the LCS last week that the, they've got these little bookmark things, they're like, this is all the Superman stuff we're going to release over the next six months, so get your ass ready, and shit like that. I, this has got this and well birthright that I, I it has got a lot of staying power. I could see these two sticking around. Why do you, why do you think yeah uh, there has there was such a uh, a negative reaction initially when this came out? I mean, uh, I was poking I, around some some uh, reviews uh, just kind of in preparation, and it, it seemed like nobody liked this book. Well, uh, is this this would be, let's see, 2010, so he's 
writing Wonder Woman at the time, right? Or is he is or has he gotten into grounded where he had like well, a grounded. lot of people got really mad at Krasinski was- over Grounded, which you know I I didn't read Grounded. I do admire that he was at least he was trying the same thing he was trying here. He's trying to do something with a character that you basically people have done everything with over and over again, and he was trying it, and it was it was ambitious, and I don't know if Grounded succeeded he, or not. He started but, on Grounded. He started writing this first. This is actually yeah. why he came to DC. Uh, right. To write uh, to write these, but uh, to kind of pad that out, he was hired to write uh, the grounded storyline in Superman, and then the uh, kind of the the soft Odyssey. reboot of Wonder Woman. Yeah, the yeah. Odyssey story uh, in Wonder Woman. Uh, and and my impression is uh, by that point they because I remember when when some when he he left both. Um, right. Ultimately, uh, you know, some people insist that it's because the the reaction to those were so bad. The official story was he left so that he after he left after Earth One came out and was was a big hit. And uh, the official story was that they just told him, you know, forget the monthly books. We want you to focus on the sequel to Earth One because it was so successful. Right. Um, you know what the truth is, we'll never know. But the the writer that came on to Wonder Woman afterwards was pretty much told he had to. This is where we are. This is where you have to be by this issue, and that right. issue led in was the last issue before Flashpoint. So it seems like the uh, the stuff that they were doing, uh, the grounded stuff, the Wonder Woman stuff, may have just been like we have we have to kill a certain amount of time before we can do this new thing. Oh, so yeah, because the the kind of like uh, the last four months of Green Lanterns. We're yeah. very, very marching in place. Yeah, I mean, when they've got something big like that coming, and a lot, a lot of times the books will just be not filler because you know it, it yeah. was a year long, but it was kind of like, okay, we, we know this is coming. We need to slot something in here that will get us to that to that point. And, and yeah, I mean, I, I didn't think grounded but, was that bad. I thought, I thought, you know, it, it got a lot of, of, of unfair heat. But Straczynski now is—he's just become one of those guys that that uh, is is fun to bash online. Yeah, he he's like finish things and blah blah blah. He's, he's, like, still, he's, he's, he's like the Dio or or uh, or uh, you know uh, Dan Slott. Yeah, it's like, and he—I'll give him this. He takes a lot better than than. Slot seems to. Slot does get worked up, not to say life out level, levels or anything yeah. like that, but he does get worked up. Straczynski's just like, I've been in this game a long time. Do, do you honestly think I'm, I'm losing any sleep as long yeah. as I'm telling the story I want to tell? I, I think, uh, to get back to the question you asked, why, why people freaked out and, and got upset was because it's a new Superman. And and they get very 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 protective about their characters. Most people do, and and they got vocal. Just like right now, at this point in time, uh, lots of if you were to look online, uh, look up stuff for Star Trek <laughs> Two Into Darkness, you would see a lot of negative stuff, lots and lots of negative stuff, and it's partially because people don't are scared of new and scared I think of change. With, with this and with Star Trek and with a lot of the other stuff, um, 
it becomes very clear that one of the purposes of this and Star Trek and the New 52 and Marvel Now and a lot of this stuff is to uh, make something accessible for a different audience. And it seems like a large portion of the existing audience gets offended by that as, as if they, well, they I don't feel know. like I, they're being, you know, slighted as it's, I don't know it's, that not, it's always they're not good enough. So they have to go chase someone else. It's, it's a, I don't know. That, I don't know that it's offended, though. I, well, I, I think there's some of them, but I think it, it's a it's a fear and rightly so. Sometimes when people change things to go after those other those other things. It changes so much and so far away from something that I liked that I now lose the thing that I like. It, 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 it's not really a, you know, like when they brought back Hal Jordan. You know, I, I, I still rail against it, and I, I hate Hal Jordan. I don't hate Hal Jordan, but it's because they changed it so far away from the thing that I liked. Like, oh, Kyle Rayner's going to get a book. I'm like, that's not Kyle Rayner. That's not the character that I fell in love with. You changed it so far away from it that... When when you start to talk about doing it for things like Superman or or Spider Man or Batman, that fear crops up of holy shit, this is a character I really like to read. They did it. They did this and they messed it up for me. Are they going to do it again and mess it up for me to get that fucker over there who never who didn't spend right, ten that, years that, reading this that comic kind of and paying bills? Attitude of I'm yeah. I already like Superman. Why don't you just give me the Superman that I like? instead of trying yeah. to give someone else a different Superman. Yeah, it, it, it is. But see, the, the difference between Superman and some of the other characters, well, actually, most of the other characters, is... Super, uh, actually, no. I, I guess I, I guess it is. Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman doesn't really ever get to this level. You can tell different versions of these characters, and most people are fine with, Okay, this this Superman is completely different from the other Superman that's in Action Comics. That's so different from the one that's in Man of Steel. That's different from the one that's in just regular Superman. Uh, Batman did that all through the '90s, didn't he? Didn't he have four different books that almost never crossed over, and they were all different? That, and there was like Sha- Shadow of the Bat. Right now. I mean, other than other than Death is of the Family and Night of the Owls, those are five five extremely different bad books. I mean. Uh, that was because uh, I had jumped out bat books, but are they, they different? Batman, they're different. That they read incorporated. It feels like a, okay. It feels like a different person. Yeah. It, than if you read the Snyder oh. Batman, and then you know, I was just look, I saw the preview for Detective, which I hadn't read since issue one. And, I mean, it looks different. Uh, Bruce looks older. He looks he it looks like almost like the pre pre relaunch Batman. As opposed to, you know, a, a Bruce who look, you know, Snyder's and Capullo's Batman who looks twenty six, twenty seven, and who's the one I'm used to. And it is, it it can be a culture shock just within a single character's books. That's almost why I don't like characters having more than one book sometimes. Yeah, but I, I think that ties into it, though. But that's but the having more than one book allows them right. to have these different takes, and you can read Detective and and be fine just well, reading think, Detective. Oh, go ahead. And, uh, well, one yeah, of the ahead. things with this is is you know I I can understand it a little bit more in in that instance where you like 
the Batman and Detective is the is not the Batman from Batman Incorporated, which is not the Batman from Batman and Robin. And and having a problem with that because there is kind of uh, an inherent inconsistency there. But, you know, in many ways this is much yeah. more like just Ultimate Spider-Man. You know, Marvel yeah. basically did this yeah. exact same thing, uh, a more realistic... Um, the, the the difference is is uh, DC's Earth One books. I mean, so far there's a, there's been a Batman Earth One. Uh, there's no suggestion that these necessarily are the same universe, even though the idea of Earth One is uh, is a multiversal idea. That you know originally Earth One was the DC universe. This is clearly not that. That but you know is, is this is that just a catchy name or is this another you know, one, they, of the, one of the 52 Earths. They say um, Morrison's Wonder Woman Earth One, or what everyone's saying is Wonder Woman Earth One, is supposed to hint at that more. And I know John's is, uh, at least John's made it sound like on Batman on Batman the other day, that uh, there would be more mention that, yeah, this this is a and, shared place. And that would make a lot of sense. Too. Um, but, you know, this is this is... You know, classic. You know, Clark was there first, and Clark's so Clark might not be noticing these other people popping up. Right. Yeah, Batman Earth One may be happening concurrently with Superman Earth One Volume Two. You know, right. or something like that. And yeah, and so, so you know, Marvel kind of did this there. There was a brand new continuity. Uh, that Spider-Man was younger, was more modern, um, and, and so when when it's a completely different universe and, and very literally a different character, uh, that's when I seem to have mo- less of a problem with, with it being different because just as there was a difference between the Earth-1 Superman uh, and the Earth-2 Superman before and the diff- and you know the Earth-3 Superman is a villain and the Earth-S Superman is Shazam, uh, you know that that seems to make more sense that they would be different, and I kind of like it more when they are different. Well, Chris? one of the things that, that that this particular book and being as standalone as it is allowed me to do is to read it and discuss it with you, because if it was at the middle of a run of Superman from 1985 or something like that, I would have no chance. Because I, I, although I follow comic books, I have no idea of the different universes that are going on and stuff like that. And it can be entirely daunting for someone who doesn't already read books to jump in and read something. Whereas these sort of uh, uh, the standalone aspect of both of these, even though there's the two the two editions, but makes it a lot easier for uh, a non comic book reader to enjoy a Superman book and then maybe go back and look at some of the other classic arcs that have happened and things like that. But, let's say, at the moment, I I would have no idea where to start in picking up a Superman book to read, apart from something along these lines. And I think it works really well on that sort of opening up new readers to getting interested in reading comic books. I think it's interesting that, you know, we've got four people here who all uh, have a very positive reaction to the book. Uh, and, and yet we kind of run the gamut. You know, we've got, you know, Chris, who uh, certainly, I think, really very much is is the target audience for this, you know, not just these books, but really all of these kinds of initiatives. Yeah. You know, someone who is genre-friendly, who's familiar with Superman, who's seen, you know, movies or, or TV shows or whatever. So you know, you know enough, you know who they are. 
but you're not, you, you know, it's it, the, the details may, may vary. Uh, all the way up to, you know, someone like me who's been reading Superman comics for a very, very long time and, and knows, you know, the ins and outs of, of a lot of these different versions and interpretations and continuities. And the fact that this can satisfy, and, and, and you know, Damon and Jason kind of being, uh, you know, in, in the middle in different spots in that continuum and all of us being able to get something out of this, I think is actually pretty impressive. And it, it does speak to the, the old bullshit line that Superman's unrelatable, too. So you got four people at different levels of comic fandom, and they all found something to connect that I, I've never bought into. It Badly written Superman is unrelatable, sure. But good this, well, he's he's a person. Actually, actually, what this proves is Superman is actually unrelatable. But Clark Kent is the way in. Like, and, and Superman, at his best, should be unrelatable. You really shouldn't be able to relate to yeah. Superman. But this whole time, we have not been talking about Superman. We've yeah. been talking about Clark Kent. And, 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 and Clark Kent and his universe is what actually got changed in Earth 1 and Earth 2. And, and it's the reason why I like it so much. It has nothing to do with Superman punching aliens or beating up Parasite. Even though that stuff is really, really cool, the stuff that hits home is Clark Kent, you know, being a loner, being a, a straight C, a C student, um, you know, the, being a virgin. The classic, uh, the classic you know, I, I, I may look normal and I may look boring, but I have this secret that makes me amazing that, you know, that is what everyone believes, especially when they're in their, you know, teens and 20s, wondering who the yeah. hell they are. Who they are, and, and it's a great story, and, and and looking at the cover of of volume two, he is terrifying and he is unrelatable. He's in a river of fire with skulls around him. <laughs> uh, but but and Superman should be uh, not should be Superman. The concept of an alien coming down that could shoot lasers out of his eyes, and you don't know who he is, and he's super strong, and you can't hurt him. It's very, very scary. But be, through Clark Kent, we know so much more about this character and this man that we're able to connect with Clark and, and his trials and tribulations. I, I, think that's, I think that's what has been needed with Superman for a very, very, very long time. Who gives two shits about the alien? Let, let's talk about the man. Let's, let's, let's fix Clark Kent. Let's fix Clark Kent's surroundings. Let's fix Clark Kent's... Uh, cast of characters. You but know, I was, let's fix that. He fixed that and fixed that, it all, fixes that it all. In, in principle is an idea that, that goes all the way back to the seventies. I mean when they first tried to kind of bring him into the, the present. Um but that was really the heart of of uh the, the nineteen eighty six uh relaunch with, with John Byrne. I mean the, the the Man of Steel miniseries you know ends with him getting zapped with all the information about Krypton and and saying and yet none of it matters because well krypton uh makes me super uh it's earth that makes him a man and and i think that's when when that really shifted uh in in principle i just think that they didn't they still felt too bound to embed him in a a very dc comics world so that nobody in that world is 
enough like us to relate to. But by doing this, by breaking it out, by by putting it into a world that's a little bit more realistic, by giving him the ability to respond kind of emotionally in a more realistic manner, uh, that that gives us that ability. I, I think that's what they're going to try to do with Man of Steel. I think that's what they did very successfully with Smallville. Um, you know, that that's really the the thing. The the, the Grant, you know Grant Morrison in talking about All Star Superman was saying that you know again going back to that idea that you know Superman is impossible to write because you can't give him any conflict. But, you know, you know, Morrison said that, that you're kind of missing the point. The conflicts are internal. It's not about will he save the day or won't he save the day. It's about what's going on in his head when he's doing it. Uh, and, you know, the idea that, oh, well, because he's infinitely powerful, we know he's not going to get hurt. We know he's going to win. You know, Batman's a human being. We know he's not going to get hurt. We know he's going to win. You know, Batman, every, every hero of every story uh, especially if it's a hero that's part of a franchise that needs to go on, uh, you know that, that they're, they're just as invulnerable as Superman, even if in the context of the story they're not. And even if they do die, they come back. You know? And because we've been talking <laughs> for like an hour and 40 minutes, we sh- uh, seriously, if you haven't picked up Earth 1, both of them, we you really, really should go out much, there and so grab them. There's still a lot to get out of it. Oh, yeah, we didn't spoil any of it, really. We didn't really talk that much about Volume 2. We just talked about the overall superman I I just, uh, but, uh, at the risk of spoiling, I just thought it was insane the way they made the Lex Luthor a black robot. <laughs> <laughs> a black robot with tits and a dildo. It was weird. His name is now Sex Luthor. <laughs> But anyway, uh, that's it for Unnamed Superman Podcast number three. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know that I'm going to say anything. Uh, Geekfights.net. Uh, maybe, may, I'll say it. Panels on Pages Podcasting Network, maybe. We'll, we'll see. Anyway, that's Keep it. Fighting the geek fight. Have a good one. Yeah, good night. <laughs> I'd just like to plug Lisa LaSalle. Bye. Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> okay. I would too. Except for when I saw her.